You can send Andrew Shovlin in now, please, Fiona. Andrew, congratulations. You did a great job running the team this weekend. Thank you, Toto. And Mercedes won too, just like the old days. Perhaps you should stay away from more races with results like this. Look, Shov, this is very difficult for me, so I'm, I'm just going to come straight out with it. We've had a complaint. From who? From Sky. Something you said on air in a post-race coverage show. What did I say that upset them? Something about lots of farting going on all the time here in Brackley. What? No, I was talking about how hard we were working on aerodynamics. Then what did you say? I said we'd been busting a gut in the wind tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Easy mistake. Whoops, (laughs) there's another... Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm called Gareth. She's called Sarah. Hello. And he's called Zog. Hello. Joining us later on will be Alex Goy to talk about two car brands you might not be that familiar with. But hey, let's start with that which we are familiar with. What a weekend we had in Brazil. Well, without actually being there. I mean, it was a motor racing weekend with not one, but two fabulous races, if you count the sprint. Do you take the sprint seriously, Sog? Uh, Yeah, I do. We had some good entertaining sprint races. It's another bit of proper competitive racing action in the weekend. I'm not sure that we want to have every weekend with a sprint race. Yeah. But certainly this weekend, it gave us a fantastic extra dose of drama and some real highs and lows Magnussen getting pulled for the sprint was obviously a particularly emotional moment for, for a lot of people and a, you know, a lot of fans will have loved that a sprint race is okay that sprint race was fantastic yeah that's right yeah it was an absolutely belting race the number of laps where George and Max were vying for position was just a joy to behold and you're quite right seeing Magnussen on pole as a result of a moist qualifying set us up for a great race and here we go sorry about this Sarah sorry about this song but I'm going to blow my own trumpet like a contortionist who plays in a brass band I can blow my own trumpet I said did I not and I want you both to verify this that the first person to win in this year's Mercedes was going to be George not Lewis am I correct you are correct however I would point out that any trumpeter whether they were contortionist or not could blow their own trumpet (laughs) so I think I I just want to pick you up on that (laughs) but yeah fair point you did say Russell was going to win a race this year before Hamilton I didn't think that was going to happen and whether you count the sprint race as a proper race or not it happened this weekend and then he went on to win a proper race didn't he Sarah yeah I know it's a very good weekend for George Russell so it was his weekend it was very entertaining to watch and I think a lot of people were happy for him he was the happiest though did you see those tears on the podium it was so well shot the camera pushed in really close and filled the frame of his just his eyes with the union flag flying behind and his eyes were so moist it was just lovely to see that it's a tense thing isn't it being a Formula 1 driver and he must be feeling a lot of 
relief, I think, now. Yeah, and also he's perhaps a driver who comes across, compared to other drivers, maybe even more kind of controlled, analytical, detached. I've always been impressed with his pre-race interviews and so on, when somebody catches up with him and sticks a mic under his nose. or He comes across as so professional and focused and analytical, as I say. You don't get as much of the emotion that you might uh, you know, he, he's frankly less emotional, I think, often than a lot of other drivers yeah. in a lot of those contexts. But yeah, on the podium, you saw the emotion coming out and how much it meant to him. And it's tremendous to see that he's achieved that first win. There are going to be many more. I mean, for me, there's a real question now is, will it be him or Lando Norris that'll be the next British world champion? Oh. I think they both have the ability to do it. Yeah. And of course, with the reminder this weekend, I mean, looking back at the results of the sprint race, Magnussen, he was a little bit lucky to take that pole, but absolutely he did a magnificent job in making that Haas go as quick as it did on that particular pole lap in that particular moment. And sure, he got lucky that Weather and Russell spinning off changed things and didn't give anyone else a chance. He drove the car quick enough to set that time, but beat everybody else. But at the end of the sprint race, you know, after inevitably the quicker cars had all found their way past him and Magnussen's behind both Mercs, both Ferraris, he was basically behind most of the cars that you would expect to be ahead of him. But he was ahead of Ricardo and behind Lando Norris. And again, even in a weekend when Ricardo's been a little bit resurgent, maybe, but Lando is still delivering yeah Lando is still getting the better of him race after race and given that we know how good Ricardo is yeah I think a Lando Norris George Russell rivalry is one that we can enjoy for a good few years to come I think Sarah we were robbed of a home victory for Lewis Hamilton who is of course Brazilian now you know about this? Yeah, I heard something like that. He's got he's a, some sort yeah, of honorary citizenship or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose they see him as their version of Ayrton Senna, so they probably have claimed, <laughs> claimed him. But good for them because I don't know if you saw, but Fittipaldi, um, Emerson Fittipaldi, was interviewed pre-race and talking about all the Brazilians coming through. So they don't really have one of their own in the top series yet, as in F1, but they are Correct. developing their drivers. They've got. A few Fittipaldis in the lower ranks, and I think they've got a few Brazilians coming through. So until then, I think they're biggest fans of Lewis Hamilton, and they're very happy to call him Brazilian. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I think that's really sort of generous and sweet and very kind, but I don't know, call me cynical in my old age, but are they trying to get Lewis to relocate? to Brazil I would highly doubt that I mean there is no way Lewis Hamilton would move to Brazil so he can bring the Lewis Hamilton Foundation um, line it up with the Senna Foundation and help the people of Brazil (laughs) I don't know because that's what Senna was doing I think that would be a little cynical we know that Lewis has been a huge Senna fan Yeah, he's been very vocal in talking about how much he admired and loved Senna it's hard to find a racing driver that hasn't idolised Etten Senna but Lewis Hamilton even more than most so I think you know his love of Senna and Brazil is quite genuine and yeah if they're returning the love I wish Lewis actually had spoken a little more Brazilian Portuguese when he was interviewed in front of the crowd there he said you know thank you and that was about it really Mm. I think if I was made an honorary citizen of 
any nation, I would do my best to learn at least one sentence that was, thank you very much, this is a great honour, and I'll do my best to help represent the country. I would try and learn to say that in the language. But heck, Lewis is American anyway, you know, so he's halfway Brazilian, isn't he? <laughs> Sarah... I have to commiserate with you. And again, I have to say, I'm going to blow my own trumpet again because just before the start of the race, Tycho and I were chatting and he said, Dad, what's going to happen? I said, well, Magnussen is going to come to a sticky end in the race really early on and I wouldn't put it past Ricciardo being responsible for that. And it happened on what, lap one? Lap one. It was quite quite like a comedy of events, really, like the first couple of laps were not very enjoyable for some of them. I really actually felt sorry for Daniel Ricciardo. It was notably his fault that Magnussen was taken out of the race, and so was he. But, you know, it's only one of his last Grand Prix. It would have been nice for him to finish and get some sort of result. And he probably would have beaten Lando Norris because Lando Norris was feeling ill that day, wasn't he? He was improving. He had been poorly. He had a stomach upset, but he was just about functioning. But he drove a great race. Yeah, it's kind of sad. And we still don't know. Have you heard the latest rumours on what Danny Rick is going to do, Sarah? Are you aware what's on the wind at the moment for him? I haven't actually, but I think he's ready to give up altogether. But is he a reserve driver? There's talk, again, of him going to Red Bull. There's a sort of a knock-on effect thing, I think. It's all to do with Mick Schumacher potentially becoming the reserve driver at Mercedes, which means there isn't a place at Mercedes for... Danny Rick now and Danny Rick is therefore considering a return to Red Bull. Zog, have you heard this? Why on earth would you take Mick Schumacher as a reserve or a test driver over Daniel Ricciardo? Good question. I know. I don't think Mick Schumacher has the potential. I think Daniel Ricciardo has the potential only because he's still reasonably young and I think Daniel Ricciardo also has the experience. I just think he was potentially in the wrong car at McLaren and with the right opportunity in the right car. Miss Mercedes is probably a good place for him. But yeah, I think it's bizarre because Mick Schumacher, he doesn't seem to have the natural talent, I suppose. But then, God, I mean, what am I to say? I'm no expert. <laughs> Whatever reasons Mercedes have for looking at Mick Schumacher, I would think it has more to do with commercial aspects of the team than with the sporting aspect of the team. You know, in other words, it gives them the German driver with the biggest German name in... Driving history. In, in, in driving <laughs> history, precisely. Yeah, correct. To associate with Mercedes, the biggest motoring brand in German history. So it's a great bit of synergy for them, as long as they don't actually need him to get in the car and go very fast. <laughs> there is a historic connection between Mercedes and Schumacher. Remember, Michael sure, yeah. Schumacher came back out of retirement to drive Mercedes, and also Michael Schumacher made his name as one of these Silver Arrows, Sauber Mercedes drivers at Le Mans before he came into Formula One. When was that? 90 or thereabouts? Drove very successfully in the team with Wendlinger and Heinz Halfrensen was the other one. Yeah, is that right? That I right. forget now. But yeah, we wish them all well. We seem to spend a lot of time talking about poor old Danny Rick. We love him. Yeah, we do. But I am genuinely concerned that what you said there, Sarah, he's in the wrong car at the right time. Well, Lando makes that car work. And if 
Danny mm. is good enough. He should be able to make that car work for him too. But disappointing that he isn't. But hey, next race, last race. Let's see what he can do, right? Correct. Fingers crossed. Um, I was listening to Formula One again. Occasionally do. Don't listen to what's going on, but listen to the sound of the cars. Two sounds I noticed during the race this time round. The safety car, when it's going round with its big Mercedes AMG V8, says bad you listen to it bad it's like the safety car like the formula one police you see them there dressed all in black looking bad nice and formula one cars under yellow flag when they've got throttle limiters on they say burn they're just burning fuel there you go my two nonsense observations what got your attention over the race sarah well it wasn't the sounds of the engine's making words. <laughs> only in my head. <laughs> I know, I was very creative of you, Gareth. I'm very impressed. Um, I think with me, in my observation, it was a bit dumbfounded about Max Verstappen's behaviour. I kind of tend to agree with the general public that he really should have been at least some sort of soulful person and actually helped out his teammate. It was just really disappointing. Even, I think, he probably would have hopefully, maybe, well, not hopefully, I'd say he would have lost a few fans. I don't know. I've never really taken to Max Verstappen because of that part of his personality. But that's also another reason why he is definitely, you know, a solid, strong, arrogant world champion. Yeah, he's a killer. He's got a killer instinct. I was very disappointed to hear that he wouldn't allow Perez past. And I want to know what it's all about is there ah. some events do you know Zog? Well, is there some event in the past that we're unaware of that's maybe okay well there's a suggestion which sounds pretty plausible to me that if there's a single reason that he didn't do it it's to do with monaco this year when in qualifying perez had set the fastest time and then crashed which prevented verstappen setting a faster time and therefore nicking pole and Verstappen is unhappy that Perez crashed and denied him pole. Right. And Perez may have admitted that he crashed deliberately in order to stop Verstappen getting pole. No, really? Which would certainly give Verstappen more you know, grounds for being unhappy about it. Because there was that bit of the radio message when he said to the team, he said something like, I've already given my reasons. There had obviously been prior discussions. Yeah. You know, whether about that very specific circumstance. But there's only been discussions in which he'd obviously said something along the lines of, well, I'm not going to help him out more than absolutely necessary because of this, you know. For me, I think Verstappen was being a bit of a git, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like that side of his personality. And on this thing of being a very ruthless driver and, you know, being completely uncompromising and fighting for everything or nice guys don't win kind of approach I just don't think that's true agreed you know Jim Clark Sterling Moss for example were fantastically decent honourable drivers very fair in wheel to reel racing not ruthless and punting off all the time they were hard but fair racers and they achieved all that they achieved through skill not through skullduggery not through ruthlessness and not through being the one that was a little bit more prepared to risk an accident at that corner and for me I I admire much more the drivers like Jim Clark like Sterling Moss like Lewis Hamilton 
who achieve their results without being <laughs> so confrontational and ruthlessness. It's just a sport. Have some respect for the other drivers. Show us your skill, not your elbows. Jacques, I couldn't have put it better myself. It's curious, I think, because I think sportsmanship in motorsport was much more evident until Senna turned up. And it was Senna who was one of the first ruthless drivers prepared to do anything to punt his teammate off to guarantee the championship. Yeah, yeah. And he brought that sort of ruthlessness, which was then carried on by Michael Schumacher. And exactly as you say, it's a sport. I'd rather see someone win with dignity than see someone win by elbows. Yeah. And it's kind of ironic that Lewis is the man who is the new Senna for the people in Brazil. But he doesn't really portray any of the ruthlessness that Senna did, unless he's racing with Max. <laughs> I noticed that Max yeah. and George got on all right on the circuit. And again, blowing my own trumpet, talking to Tiger before the race. Tiger said, Dad, what's going to happen? I said, I'm concerned that Lewis and Max are going to tangle again. And they did, because they do. Lewis is more afraid. Sorry, Max is more afraid of Lewis, I think. And that's why he gives no quarter yeah. to Lewis, because he's concerned he will beat him. Yeah. Sarah, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And there has to be a respect there, I think. Maybe Max Verstappen doesn't have much respect for his teammates, so he feels he's entitled to walk all over him. Is that a fair assumption? <laughs> I think so. He feels entitled. I think so. And I don't understand it. He is literally titled and I mean literally and I mean literally titled you know he is the world champion two years running so why is he so angsty about helping the rest of the team that should not be happening in my opinion and I struggle with this because I knew Max when he was a toddler I knew his dad I think his dad's a great bloke and I want Max to do well but as Damon Hill said about Michael Schumacher I love Michael Schumacher Damon used to say but sometimes Michael makes it difficult to love him and I feel mm. the same about Max there are times when he does make it a little bit harder than you might want to love him and appreciate him yeah absolutely absolutely the fact that as you say you know, he's won the championship he has nothing more to get out of this season personally really he really should be able to be a little bit generous to his teammate so something quite personal quite specific like the Monaco incident yeah you know makes sense to me although that said I think there is also this bit in Max's personality where I think he's as you say he feels entitled he wants to, to emphasize that he's number one he's the driver that matters and it is more important to him to make that point and to put the other guy in his place then have a happy successful team overall I think there are other unhappy marginally successful teams up and down the grid at the moment Sarah your friend Alonso seems to have fallen out with Ocon is that right I have not heard about that oh yeah oof. really you tell me what's happened I can't imagine him falling out with you know drivers he seems quite mature really Oh, I don't know. He's famously divisive, Alonso. He yeah, refers absolutely. to Ocon as our friend now when he was talking to his race manager. He said, oh, yeah, who's responsible? Our friend was. And they got a massive telling off, not just from Otmar Savnow, but also from the head of Renault as well, who pulled them in and had very stern words with them. Maybe six or one and a half, a dozen or the other. And I think Alonso is kind of over Alpine now. He keeps saying, I just want to drive the green car. 
he said that wow. you can't say that when you're under contract to someone else I just want to drive the green yeah, car yeah but if you're if you're a Fernando Alonso you've won all those world championships you've gone from team to team you've retired <laughs> you've come back you've yeah. won Le Mans everybody loves you Alonso could say that of course he can he has a little bit more leeway <laughs> a little bit more freedom than uh, than a lot of the other drivers. Plus, you know, what are you going to do? He's already signed his next contract. He's already signed on the dotted line. So he's sort of yeah. sorted. Anything he yeah, says exactly. outlandish can't really change, can't, can't change that. Yeah, he can say what he likes. He's also going to drive at the tyre test at Abu Dhabi the Monday after the race. So he will on the Sunday be driving the Alpine and then on the Monday he'll jump directly into the Aston Martin and test for them at mm. uh, Abu Dhabi mm. that doesn't happen very often that sort of thing but hey well mm. let's see we wish Aston Martin well there was angst to Aston Martin as well Stroll was horrible to Vettel yeah he was yeah that was pretty bad just to get back to the Alonso Ocon thing I mean that was very much both of them being a little bit silly and you know they should both know better but Ocon turns into a Tasmanian devil when he gets onto the track you know and <laughs> Alonso for all his latter years mellowness is still a beast but yeah they, they, they really should be able to get along better than that Sarah we are days away from the last race <laughs> of the season what are your hopes I bet I can predict well, let's just hope Daniel Ricciardo actually finishes. It would be nice yeah. to do that. <laughs> um, like, that's probably what I'd like to hope. You know, I really like Charles Leclerc, Char- Charles Leclerc. <laughs> and I also like Perez. So it might be nice if they get a draw. I don't know whether they do draws, equal seconds after Max Verstappen. I'd like to see that. And I wouldn't mind seeing Lewis Hamilton win a race. He's been quite gracious this year. It's about time Lewis won. I think if Lewis doesn't win next weekend, it will be a chink in his armour for next year. You know, the fact that George got a win and a half, if you count the sprints as a half, and Lewis still hadn't managed to win. So, yeah, I'm hoping for a Lewis win. I think that's right. I think it'd be nice if Danny Rick is running at the end. It'd be great if he's scoring points so often drivers at their last race I'm thinking of drivers I love like Damon Hill and Johnny Herbert have had miserable last races and I hope this isn't Danny's last race in Formula 1 and I hope this last race in his current tenure in Formula 1 ends as a happy one that would be good so our perfect podium for next week would be Lewis wins yeah Ricardo second yeah. And Leclerc third? Or do we want to swap Leclerc and Ricardo there? I think Sarah would like to see a draw. We'd like to have them both <laughs> cross the line in second at the same time. <laughs> and both share yeah. that second place problem. on the podium. <laughs> well, let's see. Yeah, a draw, or maybe if I had to choose, I'd probably say Leclerc just to give Ferrari a little bit of love. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, my predictions were good this week. I doubt they'll be as good for next week, but we live in hope. Sarah, thank you for joining us. Say bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Gareth Jones on speed news blast. The U.S. Space Agency, NASA, successfully launched the Orion capsule to the moon on top of the huge SLS launch vehicle. The giant rocket is the most powerful on the planet at the moment and finally launched after years and years of delays and the whole Artemis project being billions of dollars over budget. 
In car terms, Artemis is the space equivalent of the Aston Martin Valkyrie, but still slightly more cost-effective. Joining us to talk about two car brands most of us won't have heard of, but we'll probably hear, well, certainly about one of them in the coming future is Alex Goy. Hi, Alex. Hi. How are we doing, friends? We all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You all right, lads? Yeah, not bad. So far, not dead. Good. That's good enough for me. You've been exploring a great wall brand that's coming to Britain, haven't you? What's it called? Aura? I have. I've been driving the Aura Funky Cat. Aura, actually, Aura is an acronym for something, which I didn't have prepared. I only just remembered. It's something like, hang on, I've got the press kit next to me. Uh, it's awful <laughs> and doesn't have any meaningful information in it, which is not helpful. <laughs> My first thought on hearing that we were going to be talking about the Aura Funky Cat, which I believe you've been introduced to, Alex. It is indeed the Aura Funky Cat. My first thing was, how does the Aura Funky Cat relate to the Aura Cool Cat? <laughs> oh, God. Which is another Aura vehicle. I quite like these names. They're a bit nursery school weird entirely unrelated to how most people name cars i quite like this kind of cute familiar approach it's very dr zeus isn't it calling a car a funky cat it's a bit weird looking at the wikipedia thing there's the aura iq the aura black cat white cat good cat punk cat slash ballet cat lightning cat (laughs) and big cat there's a punk cat <laughs> I love it Ah, Aura stands for Open, Reliable and Alternative There you are <laughs> Really? Yeah And BYD stands for Build Your Dream, doesn't oh, it? Does it? What is it with the Chinese? Open, Reliable, Alternative Now, now these are all good things I mean, open One thing that has been bothering a lot of people In the States in particular And in agriculture in particular Is the openness, the repairability of vehicles And a lot of people that, for example Are very expensive tractors Very expensive combine harvesters Are finding that they are forced to Only go through the official dealer network To have their very expensive agricultural machinery fixed Rather than do it themselves if they can figure out how to do that or get a third party to do this and a lot of people are quite bothered by not having an alternative to paying whatever it is that the manufacturer and the network forced you to pay to keep your vehicle going and I think they've got a point so open is good so how are Aura open Alex any idea I have no idea the one I was in didn't even have a sunshine roof Um, I I think it's just a lovely acronym that someone went oh that sounds like it makes sense yeah that's possible the aura funky guy it's it's an interesting little proposition because it's a few grand cheaper than stuff like Cooper Bournes and McGann E-Tex and stuff like that yet it comes with all the toys so you get sat nav and you get cameras 360 around the car you get things that monitor whether you're tired let you know if there's a dog or a child in the back before you get out you get internet radio and all that kind of stuff basically everything you could possibly want you get 190 odd mile range which isn't too bad it's a 48 kilowatt hour usable battery it sounds like a fairly sensible proposition it's only until you start using it that things get a little bit weird so aura is going to launch in the uk with four brick and mortar dealerships great wall has signed up to this pre-existing 
organization in the UK who has the network, the logistics, the supply chain, all that sorted, rather than set up, we are going to do this. It's an amazingly difficult job. The thing is, the closer you look at it, the less good it gets. And we should just briefly say this is an electric, small urban vehicle. Yeah, it's an electric car. It's all EV all the time. That's why it's sort of up against Cooper Bournes and Magani Techs and things like that. Right. that that's what they say it's up against because it's got a similar footprint to the pair of them. In terms of size, it's about the same size as the Nissan Leaf. And in terms of performance, it's in between two models of the Leaf, the Tecna and the E plus N connector. And in terms of price, it's more or less comparable. It's a little bit cheaper than the Leaf, but not much cheaper, is it? So it's 31995-ish, if memory serves. The difference here is that Aura is very convinced that the Funky Cat is a premium product. So they will keep saying premium, 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 premium at you until they go blue in the face. And to back this up, they've got quilted material on the doors. It's definitely not leather. The seats are kind of to the highest standard possible, even though they're oddly hard, like the dash. There's decent materials on the dash. You look from far away and everything's fine and dandy but then you look a little bit closer so the things that aren't nicely covered they're scratchy plastics right the first group of cars coming into the country get big first edition badges and they get some extra toys but the first edition badge is this sort of lump of plastic that appears to have been just haphazardly glued onto a bit of the interior trim the paint is really mm. orange peely like they had loads on display because I went up to their office in Solihull to have a go there were loads of them on display but they were really orange peely the nav for example it's not launching with CarPlay what? yeah you gotta wait you'll get it via over the air update it comes with a 4G SIM card thing built into the car, which gives you the over-the-air stuff, and it also gives you internet radio. But you get that for, and I'm quoting the man from Aura, at the moment they're looking at 12 months for free. Wow. And then you have to pay for it on a subscription. Now, to put that into perspective, Lexus, a premium brand, gives you, I think, three years of connected services when you buy a new car. Hey, while we're on the subject of Lexus and connectivity, I read a thing, we were just discussing this on WhatsApp as 3 earlier this week, how a lot of Lexus drivers have been locked out of a lot of the services, their online services in their car, because it relied on... 3G networks, which no longer exist. Yeah, there's definitely been a turning off of support for Lexus owners. It's a reminder of the difficulty of connected services, of not making things that are independent, autonomous, and can carry on doing their sh a supporting thing that you are not in control of. The thing with connected services in general is that you are very much at the whim of the service existing. Hmm. It's like Microsoft recently, or not recently, it's a few years ago now, with the Xbox, they had a load of fitness games that you could subscribe to rather than own because they were sort of pay-to-play via Xbox Live, and they turned that service off, and the money you've paid at that point becomes instantly worth nothing. Hmm. Uh. You're paying for the thing to exist and for you to have the option of using it rather than for the thing to be and have the option of using it, if that makes sense. Not launching with CarPlay Android Auto, which was weird, which meant that I had to use the car's inbuilt sat-nav, which was not brilliant. It's quite easy for cars to get confused on junctions or people to get confused, so I'm listening to an instruction saying, keep left, keep to the left two lanes, and then turn right. Okay. Yeah, on a roundabout. That was quite fun. My favourite one, though, the one I've committed to memory just because it's hilarious, is there is a congestion up ahead. 
congestion. <laughs> there is a congestion. The definite article yeah. of congestion is up ahead. I would not be trusting that sat nav. <laughs> no, me either. How does it look in the flesh? Because looking at the pictures, there are some angles where it looks really sweet. It looks like a cross between a mini and a Porsche McCann yeah. and a Nissan Leaf. And a Beetle. And a Beetle. It's got elements of all those. And there are occasions where you look at it and think, oh, that's quite a cute little thing. Mm. Then you look at it again and go, what the heck is this? It, 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 how does it look in the flesh? I thought some of the rear are its strongest angles to me yeah and the way yeah. that they've integrated the lights with the hatch there and oh, it's nice oh yeah when they handed over the car they said oh you've got to watch this and when you unlock it it does a night rider thing at the back oh <laughs> <laughs> cool. surprising nice. delight is it any good alex it's bang average okay it is a car and it does the ACAR thing very well. In town, it's quiet, it's quick. 062 is 8.3, so 0 to 30 would be what? Less than four seconds ish. Yeah. It'll blast a lot of stuff off the line. Steering exists on it. You can <laughs> change the steering weight, though it makes no difference at all. It does have adjustable drive mode. Sport does perk things up a little bit, but. If you're buying an Aura Funky Cat, you're probably not going to stick it in sport mode all the time. It seems to be there just for the sake of it. Yeah, you know, for the sake of it being there. Yeah. On twisty roads, it is not quite fun, but it's occasionally fun to give it a boot for and off you go. But, you know, again, it's not a car designed to be a hot hatch. There is a GT version which has big fake splitters on it and silly wheels and a big spoiler and things like that. Whether or not we're going to get that, I don't know. On the motorway, I have two distinct memories of that car on the motorway. Number one, it is bloody noisy. Really? Oh. It's got massive wheels, I think 17, 18-inch wheels, and you just get tyre roar. Uh-huh. Which is really weird, because the rest of the car, really well bolted together. When you're driving around town, you don't hear any creaks or rattles or anything like that. You know, this is the one huge advantage of EVs, is that it's actually made car manufacturers glue things together properly but yeah no like plenty quiet the moment you get on the motorway it is just noise and it's not good noise also that internet radio thing i was telling you about you get with your 4g connection it takes ages to get going which is a pain in the bum obviously the moment you lose phone signal you lose the radio but also i was listening to absolute radio as i was driving up and down i think the m something whatever's near solihull between solihull and warwick m42 the, the M42, there we are. And I was listening to Absolute Radio, and I was just like, it's got a 10.25 inch infotainment display, and it's sort of mirrored in the instrument display. But with the internet radio, it displays what you're listening to in a little disc in the corner, and it gently spins, you know, like a record player would. Except I didn't notice this until I saw Absolute Radio's Leona Graham slowly rotating threateningly <laughs> in front of me. It was really off-putting. The whole image, oh, head and shoulders yeah. rotating. A headshot of Leona Graham with her hands on her hips, looking like a DJ. Bonkers. Just slowly rotating. Nice. Okay, this is one of the Chinese brands making inroads into... Well, greater Chinese companies with making inroads into Europe with one of their brands. This is Great Wall. Now, Great Wall have got a good reputation amongst builders in this country. How have they? Great Wall have been selling pickups in this country for probably five years now. They're bargain basement. They're as robust as a pickup needs to be, and they're quite passable. But this is quite a leap that one of their other brands or a, I wouldn't have described this as a premium car would you? No it's someone saying this feels really premium for the sake of 
them saying this feels really premium oh dear i'm loath to say it but it feels like the uk guys are saying this is a premium product because the order has come in from china to say tell them it is premium it isn't yeah. if you get out of this and into a cupra born the differences are palpable the materials in the born are better the drive is better yeah the powertrain is a little sprightlier there is a price difference. They'd be better advised to push the car as a sensible, low-end, basic electric vehicle, you know. Yeah, yeah. that would be the thing that makes sense. You want a no-nonsense electric vehicle? Get this. It will work. Yeah. It won't cost you too much money. It's no-nonsense. It charges quickly enough. I mean, you can get a full charge in not long at all if you have the right charger. But, yeah, it's one of those things where if they hadn't have gone two foot in on the we're premium we're great look at how premium we are mm. it would be easier to judge it and go you know it is what it is okay but because they're like oh well this is the most premium thing that ever has premiumed clearly that's not true my biggest gripe and i won't lie i was there to review it for wired so i had my tech hat on my biggest gripe is you can't launch a car in 2022 and not have carplay mm. yeah. that is insane yeah, yeah. yeah also what does this brand mean i mean there are lots of newish brands around at the moment and they all come with an air of technical excellence but the fact that they call it the aura funky cat doesn't make it sound like a serious bit of technology if i'm honest aura's whole jam is evs so it's not a hatchback platform that's had batteries shoehorned into the wrong bits just for the sake of it. It's a custom-built EV platform. Aura's cars are always going to be EVs, and the next one is coming soon. It's called the, wait for it, the Next Cat. The Next Cat, that's right. It's a saloon, isn't it? Yeah. It's a name-work in progress, so they are going to expand it, and I think it's got promise. It's just, it's a crushingly average way to get around. Okay. Let's talk about something else I know you've been exploring this week, which is anything but average. And the brand that most of us won't be familiar with, even to the extent of how to correctly pronounce it. Now, is it Weissman, Wiesman, Weissman, Wiesman? How do you say it? Do you know either of you? What are your votes? Wiesman. Wiesman. Wiesman, I think. W-I-E in German. The second of the vowels is the one you pronounce. So I-E is E, E-I is I. Right. And who the heck are Wiesmann? Give us a recap. German sports car manufacturer founded in the 80s, if memory serves. 88, yeah. By a man called Wiesmann. And his brother, who was also called Wiesmann. Yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence. And his brother, also called <laughs> Wiesmann. They made basically the mould of the British sports car but with BMW engines so you sit right on the rear axle it's got a silly powertrain it's beautifully put together it's sort of very bespoke very small a sort of German Morgan Morgan yeah I'm driving into Morgan good Morgan actually no it would be called morning wouldn't it because Morgan yeah. is the German word for morning yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we shall call it morning and did you drive their latest car? Because they've given up on internal combustion engines, haven't they, now at Wiesmann? Yeah, well, I think you can still, if you ask nicely, you can still have a thwacking great V8. But, yeah, the new car, the prototype, is called Project Thunderball, and it's electric. It's all electric. It looks like the Wiesmann of old. So it's still got the pointy face, it's got the C-type-ish grille, it's got the big lights, it's got the big wide haunches... But it's not got a motor. Ah, well, 
It has a motor. It's just it's just an electric motor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it, has, it hasn't got a V8 motor. Smart. Sorry. Um, <laughs> smart is kind of my bag. Do we know why it's called Project Thunderball? I do, and I have it in an interview somewhere. It's got rocket launchers in the boot, has it? No, well, it wasn't the idea of Wiesman to call it Project Thunderball. It was one of their partners went, well, Thunderball. And they just kind of went with it. So that's the name. So it's not its official name. Right. It will have something else attached to it. It's setting the bar pretty high in terms of expectation if you call something Thunderball. But that said, I mean, my introduction to Beastman was a few years ago. I came across one on a central London square and I had no idea what this thing was. Never seen one before. I saw this beautiful little sports car. Had no idea what it was went over and checked it out and yeah like you say I came across this thing that's rather like a Morgan but built to German engineering standards with BMW bits you know it looked (laughs) just fantastic and I kind of couldn't believe that something that I hadn't heard of before looked so well put together and so much like something that I would like to drive they were on Clarkson Hammond and made Top Gear a bit that's how I found out about them and they were in the magazine so I've always wanted to drive one purely because they look mental they had a little spell of being out of business and there was a lot of you're gonna have to bleep this gareth there was a lot of business that went on (laughs) like so much but the story of the business's resurrection is their current owner a guy called roheen berry saw this car and decided he wanted one and was going to set up the uk Wiesman arm and the deal he reached with the brothers was that he was going to have the rights for the right-hand drive version of the car. Okay. So he was going to engineer it and it was going to be an extra arm to the business. And then said reoccurred and management went up, down, left, right. Investments went up, down, left, right. And Barry was left to bid for the business opposite Geely. <laughs> yeah. So there is a picture of Geely execs in the factory which by the way looks like a giant gecko which is hilarious <laughs> I- intentionally so so there's a picture of Geely execs in the factory and if you look at the timelines Barry eventually got it obviously if you look at the timelines not long after Geely bought Lotus all right just a quick thought here because Alex you referred to the fact that not all of the business practices or decisions that were made were perhaps the most sensible the most prudent yes but saying okay, we need to build a new factory, and by the way, let's make it look like a gecko. This doesn't sound like the kind of decision that you make if you're trying to save money. That was long before the f***ery began. Okay, maybe. But I'm... I'm I'm condensing a lot of bullshit into a very small amount of space. So yeah, but this factory's amazing because it's shaped like a gecko, which is the company's logo, and the whole thing has loads of space for building stuff and trimming stuff and doing wiring looms and things like that. Barry basically fell in love with this brand and somehow managed to wrestle it from the hands of Geely. Geely. We have to say Geely, yes. Geely. Okay, Geely. Managed to wrestle it from the hands of Geely. If people complain, they can get in touch with me. I'll send them a refund for their time. (laughs) Yeah, so he wrestled it from their hands and has since kind of... He's decided what they're going to do, which is go electric, because he saw this gap in the market for what Wiesman previously did, which was this sort of not massively shiny, flashy, pretentious sports car a la Ferrari, but not say mega mass market like a Z4 there's that spot in the middle that's sort of the connoisseur's choice the the one that you really want again a bit like Morgan but in this case 
a quarter of a million quid, but that's how much they kind of were. You went to their factory, which is in the northern Rhineland somewhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I flew into Dusseldorf. I can't remember quite where it was because I was quite tired when I went there. Uh, <laughs> but, you're, but you're pretty sure it was Germany. <laughs> pretty sure it was Germany. I mean, I flew into Dusseldorf. The interesting thing you were saying is that Wiesmann is the only sports car manufacturer in the north of Germany. But the cachet it carried in Germany was enormous. It was something like the fourth best-known brand in Germany really? like prestige luxury wow. brand wow. yeah but because it was such a secret i think because yeah. it was so low volume and because it was only really the connoisseur's choice yeah. that it wasn't quite known over here but the people that knew about it loved it they showed us around the factory and they did a v10 and an m5 v10 powered car oh heck and they showed us one there was a matte gray one in the factory and the interior has been worn to death. Bright red leather. The seat bolsters are knackered. The steering wheel basically has handprints on it. The carpet in the boot, when the car was new 230,000 kilometres ago, was black. Now it is green. <laughs> and the guy's like, they keep saying, do you want us to retrim it? And the guy's like, no, this is part of the car's story. Let it rot. Wow. Or let it age. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's fascinating, but the people who love them really love them. We're making a comparison between Morgan and Wiesmann here. You know mm. the Morgan factory. You've been there many a times. You were there for the birth really of your Morgan. Well, yes. Yeah. Uh, in terms of scale, how does it compare to Morgan? Are they a bigger concern? Are you able to make a value on that, I guess? As it stands, you know, there was a handful of cars on the Wiesmann line like a handful I think by the looks of things they're trying to get back into the swing of things right. Project Thunderball is a rebirth yep. for the firm but yeah Morgan at the moment is way bigger it's got loads of people working for it it's got full lines they're busy whereas Wiesman not so much at the moment Barry wants to bring it back so when he first went there you know there was a restaurant at either end of the gecko there was a hive of activity on the factory floor there were people talking there was bright bounciness everywhere it was really quite the thing now when I went there you know, there were a few people working, and there, well, there were more than a few people working, but it wasn't a hive of activity. Right. Building. They're still building. and They're still building. The interesting thing is, though, they did let me have a go. Go on, then. In their new Lecky Morgan equivalent, how was it? It's really good. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really, good. really, really, really it's good. Really. They let me have a go in the 4.4 litre V8 M3 powered one. And the 4.4 litre turbocharged V8 one, oh. which are both ballistically quick and noisy. Uh, but then you get in the electric one, it's super quiet, and it's just all the touches of the old cars mm. slightly brought up to date. They're just a little bit shinier, a little bit sharper. And you can swap out the batteries. So if there's better technology, they will swap them out. Very you can good. swap out the screen so you don't end up with the old iPhone. Barry wants this car to be upgradable so you keep it like the guy with his M5 powered V10 monster you know he wants it to be part of the family forever yeah. not just for a season or two and would you take the electric car over the IC version what a good question Zuck. or would you prefer one of the IC cars I'd want to go in it when it's 100% finished yeah but that M3 powered one with the DCT was pretty special that's good V8 pretty pretty <laughs> car Gareth Jones on Right, listen, we're almost at the end of the show, but I think there's something we have to say before the end of this programme, and that is some very sad news, genuinely sad news. I heard earlier on today about the passing of 
Sue Baker. Sue Baker was a tremendous woman, a motoring journalist who we knew. She appeared on Gareth Jones on Speed by my count, I think, four times. Twice when we went on car reviews together around North Wales and then twice at Le Mans. I remember being quite drunk with her at Le Mans. You knew <laughs> Sue Baker, didn't you, Alex? She was lovely. I knew Sue. I was very lucky to have known Sue. There's various tweets that went out today. The Guild of Motoring Writers put one out. Her family put one out on her Twitter feed. If you look at any of those, any of the quote tweets, any of the replies from a ton of journos, nearly all of them say, when I was new, she spoke to me. Yeah. And she cared about me. And that's what Sue did. She'd certainly done her time. She was at one point the longest serving Top Gear presenter. She'd written for any and everyone. She was passionate about everything she wrote about. But she gave people the time of day. No matter who you were, she'd come in and say, you're new, aren't you? All right, let's have a natter. She'd pass on that information and she'd be so kind and giving with it. Yeah, that's the thing that kind of sums her up if you ever needed a word you could drop her a note on social media or social network of your choice and she would appear and say of course I'll help you and I can absolutely testify for that because when Sarah started doing work for Gareth Jones on speed and was looking to secure her position as a female motoring journalist in the sphere I said you need to talk to Sue Baker. And I put them in touch with each other. I know that Sue gave tremendous advice and encouragement to our very own Sarah as well. Sue, you're right. She was a Top Gear presenter, 107 episodes, I believe. She came into motoring journalism through regional journalism, the Kentish Times Group. She set up and ran motor racing news service that brands out she did that she went to fleet street she became a reporter for the london evening news then their motoring correspondent she was motoring editor at the observer for 13 years that is a prestige gig respect sue and of course top gear for 13 years we had her on the program we wish we could still have her on the program we're going to miss her Sue Baker, thank you for everything. That's it from Zog. Goodbye. That's it from Alex. Bye. And that's it from me. We'll see you for the next show. Thinking of you, Sue, and your family. For information on how to contact the show, see pictures, get song lyrics, follow us on Twitter, find our Facebook fan page, or to sponsor the show, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!